Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. All right, you're now tuned in to the follow-through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode 195. The Clippers are down 0-2. Can they pull off a Western Conference miracle? Will Kawhi be back? It's the Hawks and the Bucks. Game one tonight. Drew and I make our pick. It is the follow-through with Clips and Drew. Drew, kick that intro music. What up, podcast world? What's up, everybody? You know what it is. You know where you're at. It's the follow-through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode 195. I'm exhausted, Drew. We still don't know where the water came from. The mystery of the water on the hardwood floors. People, <laughs> You never figured DMing. it out? <laughs> people have been, well, it's funny. People have been DMing me, asking me if I found out where the water came from. And Bram Black had just sent me some new kicks. And so I have them set up like in my, on my, you know, my shoe shelf that I have when you walk into my crib. And for I was dusting yesterday and I picked up the brand blacks and they were sopping under the shoes, right? The bottom oh. of the shoes were sopping and then on the wood was all water. That's the only place it was. I still have zero idea. Were you yeah. wearing those shoes? Were you wearing those shoes no, during the game? No, I've worn them once. These aren't the these aren't shoes you can just wear every day. They're 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 bright green and orange, and there's no reason for me to be wearing them at night unless I was jogging or something. And we can tell by my stature, I haven't been doing a lot of jogging lately. So um, still don't know where the water came from. Um, I know we're going to talk about game one, game two after last night. Like all I had been, we're talking about the Clippers guys, if you didn't know. Um, all I was humming to myself was the song from the late great DMX. Here we go again. Say bullshit, dog. Just another day. Here we go again. That's all I kept saying. Because here we go again. We're down yep. 0-2, right? And that last last night's game was absolutely unreal. I want you know. I want to brush over game one and 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 um, Devin Booker's greatness. What a great game! Triple double. Uh, obviously, the fans came and showed out. That is a loud ass arena. Um, I didn't know what to expect from the Clippers, being that we had a 38-hour turnaround. We had one 20-minute walkthrough in the lobby of the hotel to figure out a game plan. Obviously, there were adjustments that needed to be made. I put it on our page, um, and Ty Lue was great at this. Uh, the adjustments that I wanted to see happened going into game two. But real quick, thoughts on game one. What was your, what was your takeaway from game one? Uh, that Aiton is significantly better than Rudy Gobert. Yep. Uh, immediately. That was the, that's the takeaway. Yep. Uh, it's amazing how much better he looks than Gobert did against the same exact Clippers organization. Um, and I don't know who who out there right now is taking Gobert over Aiton. And honestly, in game two, I think I would have taken Saric over Gobert as well. That guy put up some big possessions for that Suns team. So that's I mean, immediately the first thing was, all right, this is a completely different um team 
you know, the Clippers have moved from a lot of different looks throughout this playoffs. Dallas has one look. Utah has a completely different look. This Suns team has a completely different look. And Devin Booker was the story of game one. He did everything in his power for the Suns to, to win that game. Uh, his first triple-double of his career is in a huge moment right there. And that that says it pretty much. I mean, look, you, you guys... That was still a winnable game for the Clippers, though, Drew. Uh, in all honesty, I think it, it, it in, in my universe, it could be 2-0 Clippers right now. Definitely should be 1-1, but continue. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, it, it absolutely was a winnable game. Um, I thought that the, the Clippers played pretty well. I mean, Paul George had a solid game, a really, really great game. Again, 34 points. Uh, you know, 10 of 26 isn't great, but he hit seven threes and made most of his free throws. We're going to talk about that soon. Uh, Reggie Jackson, 24 points. I do think Ty Lu definitely takes the first two games, as we've seen over the course of this playoffs, to see what's up. He uses them to analyze what what's working and what's not working. And then especially now without Kawhi for the Clippers, let's really tinker and see, okay, Boogie, let's try Boogie. Yeah, that maybe didn't work so well. Let's try Zub. This worked a little bit. This didn't work so well. Terrence Mann started in the first game, didn't start in the second game. I think, you know, this is the feeling out stage for Ty Lue. I think if I was a Clippers fan, I would want that feeling out stage to happen quicker. Uh, but he's, he tends to get the right lineups, the right matchups in place by game three, which is going to be interesting because it's supposedly I just saw on Instagram that Chris Paul should be good to go unless there's some, you know, some, something else that happens, right. Mm -hmm. He should be playing in game three. And we Mm -hmm. haven't had that same kind of confirmation about Kawhi yet. Uh, But you know, if he is available, I'm sure the Clippers would love to have him on the court, but we're getting beyond game one. I thought game one was a solid game for both teams. The intensity level was there. That's something that I asked the question about would Phoenix still be as intense without their leader, Chris Paul on the court. They answered that question. They were absolutely still very intense. And I think Booker was just the difference in game one. That, that's and, and then Aiton really, you know, causing problems for your small ball lineup, really forcing you to have, you know, a little bit of a bigger presence in there at times. Yeah. You know, what, what I said on our page after game one was uh, I, I again, I thought that was a winnable game, but I did feel like it was way too much boogie, way too much boogie. I know those 11 quick points were were, were something great, but I think that's when you pull them out, right? Like, okay, we got the 11. We're not going to get 30. Okay. And something that's been bugging me with him too. And we had been mentioning that we had been thinking that we were going to see more of boogie. Not necessarily, you know, we thought a little more in the Utah series, but definitely going forward into this series. Um, and one thing that's been bugging me about him, but this is kind of his MO is I don't like his body language, man. He's always pouting throwing his hands up in the air. I think we're doing a lot of that as a team. Um, I love the adjustment of Pat Bev back in the starting lineup. This is the series where we needed Pat Bev to be in the starting lineup. And look, man, he sets the tone on D. In game two, he played spectacular defense on Devin Booker. No matter what you want to say, Mr. 94 feet came out and annoyed the shit out of Devin Booker and took him out of his element coming out of game one. But what we weren't planning for was another career game for our boy campaign. Uh, Cam Johnson had a huge game, hit big buckets. Your boy Saric that you just mentioned. Now, he hit big buckets as well, and Aiton was phenomenal, and he's turning into a really, really great center and probably the center of the future. We were a little on the edge during, like, 
throughout this whole season. But hey, when the lights are on, this guy's showing up. Now, I do want to say something, and I'm the, again, these are not excuses. I I can honestly say that we look exhausted. We do, and we <laughs> definitely should be, right? Paul George looks completely exhausted. They played Paul George. The defense on Paul George last night was phenomenal. Everything, every single thing, every single shot he got, he had to work for. Nothing came easy last night. You know, he's number one in minutes played in the playoffs right now. Number two in field goal in, in, uh, in, uh, in points, uh, you know, number two in free throws made, which we're going to, I know we're going to talk about the free throws. I do think we look exhausted now to what I think about this game too. Zubak has been exposed. Okay. His pick and roll defense is atrocious. The, the, the number of open looks that these guys, unless you are literally attacking the rim at Zubak, defense will not be played. There is no, there are no shots challenged. Uh, people are getting to the rim way too easy. We, instead of stepping up and playing defense, he's backing off and giving these people so much room. I, it, it drives me insane. And I don't know if it's going to change. I and mean, Zubak got big rebounds for us. And, you know, he had a couple, yeah, you huge know, block. huge block on Cam. That was a, that was a really big block and we needed that. I'm just at the point now where, and I think this is in Ty Lue's bag. And I know I've said this, you know, before the only player that hasn't played on our team has been Patrick Patterson, right? The only thing that's going to bring, and I like Pat, Pat, he would, they call him Mr. Stay ready, right? Because he's ready to play. We need to be able to drag. We need to stretch the offense, man. Pat, and that's what Pat Patterson does. He can knock down a couple three pointers. He's very streaky, but I trust his defense. He can guard the big guy, you know, and he he, he makes smart plays. Doesn't do boneheaded shit. And because as good as Reggie and Paul are playing, there are a couple bonehead ass moves every single game. That the inbounds to Zubak last night was ridiculous. Um, Look, man, the last 90 seconds of the game took 33 minutes, 33 minutes for the last 90 seconds of the game. I'm all for me and you are both for instant replays. Some shit just needs that last play. The miraculous inbounds play was able to be drawn up because of a, of a review, the free timeouts at the end. And look, shout out to Phoenix. That was a perfectly executed play from top to bottom. Everything you could want out of that perfectly executed play. Do you agree with me on this though? There was a jersey hold on Zubak. Complete. <laughs> there was. There, there definitely was. Of course there was. And of I course think it, there was. And I think it was obvious to the referees that that happened as well. But if they called one more freaking call, it it would have been a nightmare for the NBA and and the refs in general. We wouldn't I, have. The jersey pulling thing is going to happen. That happened probably on every possession in the last ninety seconds. Okay. And I, I agree with you. It was there. Aiden mm -hmm. definitely pulled him and mm -hmm. then kind of pushed him into Booker. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you see the right arm of Zub, he's also grabbing Aiden's jersey as that's happening on the right side behind him. So, it, you know, that shit's just going to happen. Right. The, uh, we'll, we'll let, let's, let's talk about the last play, right? And then we can kind of work backwards. DeMarcus Cousins gets put into the game. And this is the thing that really bothered me about that play. He gets put into the game to, to guard the inbounds pass and then doesn't guard it doesn't doesn't protect the rim side mm -hmm. to make it the only thing that would that needed to happen for the clippers is to make crowder not throw a straight line pass for that lob it could not be straight line at least make him put an arc on it give zubak or batum or somebody some time to recover and potentially challenge the dunk 
But Boogie's in there, you know, being Mr. Big Man with the hands everywhere, not leaning the right way. The only way that matters is where the fucking basket is. And that drove me crazy. I was saying it to, to, to my fiance while watching this game. I'm like, why is he not facing? He's facing the wrong way. He's playing the man like he has to throw it full court, mm-hmm. not like he has to throw it to the basket to his right. Mm-hmm. Regardless of that, Crowder made the perfect pass. He made the perfect pass. The play was drawn up beautifully. Uh, and I, the only counter that I have is Boogie's thing because I think it could have made it a lot more difficult of, 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 a, of a pass. And then maybe there's some recovery time there. Maybe Aiden doesn't get it done. Maybe he has to tip it because it's not right in the rim where he can just push it down. Uh, but that's about as beautifully executed of an out-of-bounds play with less than a second left as we've seen. Ever. So it has to be – you have to pat Monty Williams on the ass, especially after the game when we're hearing that you know, if you get it, you got to dunk it. Like, so they knew that that was going to happen. I do think for the Clippers, you have to expect that play, right? Like, maybe you don't expect the back screen or some sort of screen action, but less than a second left, what do you think most teams are going to do with less than a second left down by one point? They're going to do that. So I, I do wish that, especially because both teams had time to consider what was happening, not just the Suns. The Clippers had time to consider mm-hmm. what they should have done defensively in that scenario. I, I would have loved to see some anticipation of, a, of an alley-oop for Aiton coming somewhere. Um, that's what I would have liked to see. I would have liked to see Zubox start um, maybe somewhere else or not on the court. <laughs> I mean, as much as he so was he had to, So he had to be there. So when you leave that time, like – when no, no, no. I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about when they come back to finish it. I'm talking about the defensive play. I would have keep Zubak or Boogie on the court. You don't need two seven footers out there, is my opinion, right? Because of the screen action switching, I would have loved Batum and maybe Pat Pat, but just lengthy guys that aren't slow movers. No, so that if that Booker action happens, you switch it, and that way he can at least try and protect the rim. Instead of having both Zub and Boogie on the court, you can't sub though in that in that situation. That's the only issue is once you go the to the ball re- went out of bounds, so you can sub in that in, in that instance. Not when not the play after, not the play after because it was a bucket, not a dead ball. So the the the, the initial review after the Bridges missed three from the corner, and the ball gets tipped by Zubak on the rebound and goes out of bounds. I believe that's how it was ruled. Or Terrence Mann tipped it out of bounds. Then that led to 0.9 seconds with the, with the lob. That's when Boogie can be brought into the game, and that's what I thought was a, was a mistake. I would, have, I would have kept one seven-footer on the ball to try and block the pass, and I would have had uh, switching from Batum, T-Man, all of the taller, longer wing players. That PG. You have, Morris, <laughs> PG, those guys, your small ball lineup. I would, have, I would have had all the lanky guys out there with Pat Bev to switch that action because I think it's predictable. I think it's a relatively predictable play when there's less than a second left, they're going to try and throw it at the rim. I just, I, I think that has to be looked at as well. I'm, I'm fine with that. And I'm also fine with Boogie being on the ball, being a 6'10", 6'11 guy. What I wanted from, from Boogie, I love your call on, yeah, he should have been positioned a little better, but give me a little more effort. Okay. <laughs> waving, waving the arms. This is when you jump and be extra like D Howard would do, right? Yes. D Howard would be so extra in this situation. Yeah. And it just looks to me like Boogie just it, look, man, I, I don't know. It's like the, the wappy, like the, the, what, I don't know what the, the car dealership guy, the car dealership, the car dealership, guy. like the waving hand yeah. guy. 
Yeah, yeah, the one that's floating around. And I don't know what the name of that is, but that's what he looked like. It wasn't enough for me. And, it, you know, again, that was shocking. That was a game we should have won. But it comes down to this. And it's two missed free throws by Paul George. One, we get an overtime. Two, we win the game pretty much. Okay. And look, I, I give it out a lot. I said on our page, like, and he's been great for us. Yes. I've, I'm, I am the biggest Paul George advocate. I've said this over and over and he has been phenomenal for us. He had a rough game last night, but look, these are when superstars need to step up. These are free throws. You shoot 90% from the line. You you're, you're the, you're the second best free throw shooter in the playoffs right now. Um, you missed five. He missed five. He hasn't missed five free throws in a game in eight years. Right. And these are just situations where the whole narrative can change for you. And now this was the game that the media and the talking heads and the people and the haters, this is what they wanted to see. They wanted to see you miss two free throws and then we blow it at the end. Look, man, a play like that to end game two is like the momentum you have for Phoenix going into LA being up to, uh, is going to be huge and getting your captain, your general back is going to be huge for them. And it's going to be extremely difficult because we haven't seen them as a team with Chris Paul playing Cameron Payne, who, as much as I do not like this guy, I mean, his story is crazy. Uh, he's played his ass off. He's played so well. His defense is in your face and what a pickup for these guys. And I think it was Kendrick Perkins that just said, and you and I say this all the time, situations, certain situations for certain players just click and it works. Right. And it, it's working for campaign. Um, if this was going, if this was one, one going back to LA, I would, I would give you a hundred percent. There's no chance Kawhi plays in game three. No chance. I think we'll, we'll be saving him for four five or six or seven. Cause I'd rather have a Kawhi Leonard in game seven than game three. I still think it's funny how hush hush everything's been with the, with the Clippers. I kind of like it. Cause maybe that means that Monty isn't preparing for Kawhi Leonard. And again, you can say, you know, if, if CP was on the Suns this whole time, it'd be a different look. It'd be a way different look if we have Kawhi. That's just hands down. That's just what it is. So I don't necessarily know what we're going to do with Kawhi Leonard. We cannot go down. Oh, three. I do think if history, you know, repeats itself, the Clippers are going to come out and play a great game, but I don't want Clipper nation saying, Oh, well, you know, it's Oh two. We've been here before. It's guaranteed. We're going to win a series. It's not true. This is the Western conference finals. Yo. Now Booker playing with a broken nose and with the mask on might be difficult for him. I don't think he has, he's had to do that yet. How ironic was it literally the same play between Nash and, uh, and uh, who was it, Parker. Tony? Tony, Tony Parker. Parker. I mean, Pat was so far in his ass again. <laughs> it wasn't. And that's a, I mean, not a dirty. That's not a dirty play by Patrick Beverly. Not at all. Not a dirty play. That may be the first time that I immediately was like, that was not dirty, when Patrick Beverly was involved. Because any time like that, that that goes down with him, I go, what the fuck did he just do, right? And then you see replay. He just reached for it. That's how good Booker's handle was. Mm. He put it out there and brought it right back around the body. Reached for it. Bink. Snapped that dude's nose so hard. He did. So hard. He did. Whoa, man, I haven't seen a nose like that in a hot one. I sent you, I think I sent you something from Instagram that had uh, one, of Rocky. The, Rocky. one of the Home Alone guys. Oh, yeah, Rocky. that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The wet Daniel bandits. Stern. It was the wet bandits, bro. Yeah, exactly. The sticky bandits in the second one. Um, yeah, Daniel Stern from that movie with his cracked up nose. And that was gnarly. Rocky, oh, all of that stuff. Kevin Pillar, my, my high school teammate. Uh, it, it looked like Kevin Pillar, you know, when he got hit with a 97 mile an hour fastball in the face. Uh, that was that was insane. And yes, of course, crazy how the Nash thing 
And then that one lady is wearing that shirt sitting courtside randomly. Perfect. Did you see that? Yeah. That lady just happened to wear that shirt. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what are the chances of that? Um, craziness. Uh, so I do want to, I want to back up just a touch because, you know, Paul George is going to get a lot of shit here. And we had just kind of thought that that was going to be behind him a little bit and that his performance may have given him a little bit of, you know, some rope here for some people to not just completely crack off on him. And of course he misses the two big free throws, but let's, let's take a step back even further than that, because in the last three minutes of the game, he was essentially everything for the Clippers. Mm -hmm. so even the reason that they were up by one was because of Paul George. Yes. He should have put them up by three. And then who knows 0.9 seconds, anything can happen. Campaign probably banks in a fucking three. And then we go to overtime. That's kind of how the game was going, but PG, you know, there was, there was that weird um, jump ball. Uh, with about three minutes left with, with him, him and Crowder. And Crowder mm -hmm. on the baseline. And then the ref out of nowhere just gave the timeout to the Suns. Do you remember that? Yeah. Play? And yeah. that was, it's horseshit. Yeah. They, they, they caught the ball together. And that's, it's weird. Like, but that play, which didn't get reviewed, which didn't get 30 minutes put on it. And, you know, if we're going to get every play right, then let's get every play right. I don't get the whole why two minutes is the, is the timeline. Why isn't it five minutes? Why isn't it 10 minutes? It's, it's arbitrary. I understand that two minutes and for the, for the sake of all the fans, we don't want six hour NBA games where everything's reviewed. So I'm appreciative of that. They're trying to hurry the game up a little bit, but that play needed to be reviewed. That play needed to be uh, at least taken a look at because they, they both had the ball at the same exact time. Jump balls called immediately. And then, and then no, the side ref comes in from half court mm -hmm. saying that there's a, there's a, a timeout being called. Like, you know, I don't, I, didn't I don't like it. that. And right. it changed everything because you guys would have had the ball down by three then Bridges immediately, when they get the ball, hits a three. Paul George comes back and answers, but that changed the game. It separated that a little bit where I think you probably would have had at least a two or three point lead had that not happened, perhaps. But Paul George hits the three. Then he, th then he throws that ridiculous inbounds past the zoo, which you talked about without looking. He gets fouled by Booker later, makes two free throws. He goes coast to coast after the zoo block for the layup, puts him up by one. And it's the Clippers are up 101 to 100 with 30 seconds left. And then Booker goes into his Kobe bag, hits the elbow jumper. Paul George immediately responds with a lovely, like top of the key shake and bake and nails that. So I just, I, I, it's very easy to look at the two missed free throws for Paul George and say that was bad. And it's not, it, you're not wrong for saying that, but let's take a look at what happened in order for him to get that opportunity to even put them up by three or four or excuse me, two or three. And it's all because of him, anyway. So yeah, but it, but in the, what uh, the whole point is, it doesn't matter though. Right now, it now it just doesn't matter, and that's all people are going to look at. So I get it, you know, like I completely understand. Uh, we would not be in the game without Paul George. And again, like this guy has played his ass off. He's carrying. Look, man, you can play. You can you can finish off a series. You can play two games without Kawhi and try to win a series. Right, playing four in the Western Conference. Uh, you know, Western Conference Finals is difficult without our his boy, our superstar. It's a lot, dude. I'll tell you this, man. I'm watching that game, and I think especially in these first two, you guys missed Ibaka more than you missed Kawhi. Okay, that, that fair. Very fair. I think Ibaka's presence in this game changes everything for you guys. He provides the spacing, similar to what you're saying about Patrick Patterson. I would, I think he, we're gonna see him in Game Three. Tyloo seems. You to think be, so? He hasn't played the whole series, dog. Hasn't the whole playoffs? Hasn't played since like what May? Not May one game, bro. Yeah, I think we're gonna see him though. I mean, there's no reason to not. It, mm -hmm. In the second quarter, after DeAndre comes back in from his break, pop him in in the second quarter and just see what happens. And if it's if it's good, awesome. 
run with it. Maybe use that in the third and the fourth. If it's bad, okay, then you tested it and it's not there. Uh, but Canard is the is another thing here. Let the man play. Let mm-hmm. the man play. That's I I understand that he's hot or cold, but he was better than Marcus Morris was in these last two games. And Marcus is on the court all the time. He's six points in the first game, seven in the second, shooting terribly. Um, his knee. He's got a he's got a bad knee right now. And- got a bad knee. I I just think Canard helps with the spacing. You can see it when he's attacking and hitting his shots. It adds a level of complexity to your offense that isn't there without him doing that. The other side of it, of course, is if he's missing. If he's missing, then okay. Then that's what you have to kind of live with. And I think in this series, he's able to hide a little bit more defensively. Luke Kennard is. I don't see that. more than in the past. No, because if they have Torrey Craig out there or if they have Cam Johnson out there, those are guys that aren't going to take Kennard off the dribble one-on-one. And I think you can hide him a little bit on those guys. Now, Cam Johnson is a great shooter, so he'll just have to stay attached there. Mm Uh, but he, he, he's not going to have to be doing one-on-one defense against those guys where, you know, Donovan was seeking him out in, in Utah. Uh, but I would love to see Kennard play a little bit more. I just, I thought what he brought to you guys in the fourth quarter also changed uh, the game a lot. I think you guys were, might've lost by a significant margin if he didn't provide those, whatever, 11 or 12 points that he had in that little five minute spurt in the first part of the fourth quarter. Uh, but yeah, Ibaka's presence, I think, is being felt, not having him is being felt just as much, if not more, than Kawhi not being out there for you guys. Well, we were resting and working on his back the past three months for this certain, for the playoffs. Like, this is why we wanted him for the playoffs. And then back surgery ended that. It's obvious Luke Kennard got the memo that when he's in the game to shoot shoot the pill. Like, <laughs> he's, I mean, he's jacking him up as soon as he gets him. And that's what he we took want. took one bad one. He took one bad okay. one. Okay. Where it was quick. It was super quick, pull up three, and it was like, oh, no, maybe don't shoot that one. But, yeah, he's letting it fly. It was also, you know, it was a rough start for the Clippers. I mean, Paul started 0 for 5. He got good looks, and uh, they weren't falling. We just need – look, man, again, I keep saying look, man, (laughs) like you need to look at me. Um, We just got to come out. We got to come out strong. We we need our fans to show up. These guys are going to come out with with huge momentum with Chris Paul being back. I don't know how that's going to work out defensively for us. I think, you know, Cameron Payne coming off the bench then is going to be a terror. We got to match them off the bench. I don't know who I think I would still keep Pat uh, Pat Beverly on Booker, right? Because him and because and maybe maybe this is a Rondo start. Like maybe it's a Rondo with Pat Bev starting that kind of and, and Rondo's been shooting pretty well. Pat Pat Beverly, when he gets the looks, has been shooting pretty well. Uh, maybe we, we go with that. Actually, you got to start Reggie. So I don't know. I don't know. I think um, I liked Terrence and, and Zub coming off the bench. I think Terrence is a better player off of the bench for us. We're not going to see another 40 point game. Okay. Don't, don't we're not, we're not going to see another miracle game, but he played really well in the minutes he had last night. He's confident in the jumper, confident in the three pointer. Uh, we just need to lock in and tap in, uh, you know, defensively. And, and Ty said it best at halftime. We got to move the rock too much one-on-one. Let's make the extra pass. That's how the Clippers got the, the highest three-point percentage on, on the team uh, uh, shooting for a team this year is making the extra pass and, and getting the open jumper. But that also ha- helps with Kawhi in the game, creating double teams and, and all that. It, it, it's a, it's a trickle down effect, Drew. So uh, I, my hats off to Phoenix. They're great. And they play, they play great without Chris Paul and Deandre. You look, you look amazing. I have nothing bad to say about them. Although we just hate them as a team. We hate them. And it's well, obvious. The Clippers, the Clippers will definitely look back at this. You know, if, if you lose the series, they're, they're definitely gonna look back at game two and go, that's the game we should have stolen. Yep. It feels like that. I mean, Booker had an off night shooting 
And with no Chris Paul, you're like, we really should have taken advantage of that night. And you know what? Campaign stepped up as big as possible. And DeAndre Ayton was fantastic. I mean, he had in the third quarter, he like took over the game for four or five minutes there in the third quarter. And Mm -hmm. there was jump hooks and just cutting to the basket, strong defensive plays, rebounding, offensive rebounding, Mm -hmm. uh, all the things that Gobert didn't do (laughs) that allowed you guys to stay small. He was all over the floor. Um, And I think that's just what you kind of ran into a little bit, even though you probably should have stole that game. It feels like that one was taken from you because you know, it, I think so. There was one thing that I didn't mention about Paul George. He landed really awkwardly on his right shoulder with like mm-hmm. nine minutes left in the fourth. I saw it. I think that might have had something to do with his free throw shooting, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I it, that's an excuse, but right. I think it's possible because he missed the very first free throw he took right after that, and you you saw him on the floor, kind of you know moving his shoulder around, mm-hmm. and we know he has got sensitive shoulders. So there's something there, but I do think I think the good stuff for the Clippers is, is what Patrick Beverly did to Devin Booker. Mm -hmm. And I I mean that throughout the game, like obviously he snapped his nose, but that's not necessarily what I'm talking about. But like in the, in the fourth quarter possessions, when shit got tight, he poked the ball away like three times. He's all over his dribbles. And I think that that's tremendous. And I think, you know, I think if, if Pat Beverly can continue to do that with a Booker who's going to be playing with a mask, most likely, and probably uncomfortable, you assume mm-hmm. probably uncomfortable because his nose definitely inches to the right. Um, it's worse this morning. It has to be worse this morning, right? Like, I mean, that thing has got to be ballooned up <laughs> and, and two black eyes, the whole nine, everything, right. man. Uh, so I do think he's going to be uncomfortable. And I think maybe you might be able to sneak game three out without Kawhi if you guys have you know, a, a kind of a similar performance. I, I don't feel, I, I guess maybe the thing I'm trying to say is the Clippers are not playing bad. I think right. that's no, we're the not. thing. Right. I think, I think that the, the Phoenix is just playing really, really good. And you guys are just getting edged out of these games. And I think that I, I, we weren't, ex- I wasn't expecting fans in for these playoffs either, man. I wasn't, I don't think you were either. Um, it means a lot. And they're, they're feeding off that energy. That energy is wild. And I just want to see, I want, we had 19,000 in our last home game. I want to see 19,000 again, because we're going to need it. And back to the Kawhi thing really fast, because I want your take on this. Like, I think it's, I think he has to be back in game three, because there's no point in going down Oh three and bringing Kawhi back. And then, then we need to win four in a row. It's evident that we can beat this team. We can, how, how they look with Chris Paul is going to be completely different and better. You're better with Chris Paul on the court. It's simple as that. And then you have a better guy coming off the bench in campaign. Like it's just going to be that way. I, if Kawhi can play, and I think he can. There are no crutches. There are no ice. He's walking around. Uh, from what I've heard, he's very vocal with the team. He's FaceTiming Ty Lue a few times uh, you know, during the day. He's in on the meetings via FaceTime. So he stayed in L.A.? I, he stayed in L.A., didn't come on the road trip, probably to rest and, and get, get, that, get that ACL right. And they even downgraded it to just a strained knee, right? And this was a conversation that we had on our live stream with Etan Thomas because you know how Etan hates how – the media just comes out and so before MRIs or anything like Sham comes out and says fearing ACL tear, like it had nothing to do with that. It was something happened with the knee um, quit scaring everybody. And I think Ty Lue wanted to see how we're going to do these first two games. Are we going to be able to show up? Can Paul George, you know, burden it. And I don't, I think we need Kawhi. And I think if he can play, um, I think he should play. And I think Ty Lue should let him play right now. This is a pivotal game for us. Well, it's a must win, right? Nobody's come back down 3-0. Right. Nobody. 3-1, we've seen it. Right. That's doable. 0-2, we've seen it. 0-2, we've seen it. 
<laughs> oh, two, we've seen several times. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Oh, two. And for Kawhi, this is his sweet spot. So I, I, I Kawhi's like, you know what? Let's I'm just going to sit out the first two. So we go down. Oh, two. <laughs> and then I'll just rally back. We'll win four in a row again. This is how we do it. Um, I do think I think you're right. I mean, look, if the guy can play, he's got to be out there for game three. And then you kind of let the chips fall where they may. Yep. If he re-injures it, if he aggravates it, then so be it. Uh, but you cannot go down uh, 0-3 to any team. Nevertheless, the, the team like this who's playing with all cylinders fi- firing right now. It's pretty amazing how far the NBA's come. It's just awesome, man. The teams that are left are so different. And it's really dope to have, like, even let's talk about the Eastern Conference Finals. Because, look, Trey Young, they're in the Eastern Conference Finals. Trey Young's there. <laughs> Not Luka. You know, DeAndre yeah. might be there. Uh it, you know, who was in that draft as well. Correct. Atlanta knocks off Philly. One thing I'm going to take away from this series is how good Trey young is even having a bad game seven. That was bad. It It was, it was horrible, but there was a huge three at the end of the game, huge three when it mattered. Um, John Collins played great. I mean, our boy, Kevin Herter, it's the Kevin Herter game. It's the Kevin Herter game. If Terrence go down in Philly history as the Kevin Herter game, that dude, he, he did what campaign did. He did what Terrence Mann did. Mm -hmm. In, in the games that we've seen on the Western Conference, like he did it. He did it for his team. He did it on the defensive end. He hit pretty much every shot that he took. He had big rebounds. Uh, that was that was Kevin Herter pulling the Hawks up by the bootstraps and saying, I'm not we're not losing mm-hmm. tonight, which was which was remarkable. And I, I, I you know, look, I, on the last one, I picked Philly and, and I also picked the Nets and I was 0 for 2. And I've been way off in this playoff series. And for the most part, it's been a really tough one for me to get a handle on. <laughs> um, but I, I certainly did not expect game seven to come down to Kevin Herter. And I don't know if anyone on the planet outside of him and his family would have thought that he was going to be able to step up in that capacity for that team uh, on the biggest stage of his life. Um, and that dude is not a slouch. I just want to say that we're, we're heaping praise on Trey all the time. And we're giving all this praise to these young guys. Kevin Herter is also a young dude who most of the people laughed when he got drafted because he's just some really pale redheaded white boy, but that dude can play. Okay. He's a hooper. The guy is not in the NBA for like by mistake. He was a killer at Maryland. It took him a little while to, you know, maybe get his feet under him, you know, with the pace of the NBA. But look, that happens to every rookie that goes from college to the NBA. It takes a second for you to get up to that speed and that athleticism. Uh, But he's not scared, man. And I think that's very impressive. And I thought the Sixers had the better team. And I still feel that way. But the Hawks are the team that stepped up. And I mean that throughout, like everybody on that team stepped up. Even if, even though Trey had a, a poor shooting night, you could see it. Everyone, they're playing like a team similar to the way I feel about the Suns, um, where they may not be the most talented. Certainly, I don't think they were the more talented team against Philly, but there they are in, in the conference finals. Well, look, I said on our on our page that it's like a perfect storm. You have this superstar on the brink and a point guard in Trey Young. You have shooters all over the court in Gallo and Herter and Collins, who's just so athletic, way more athletic than most people that are left in the playoffs right now or in the NBA, for that matter. You got a good bench when Lou Williams coming off there. And you got Capella, who's like one of the most underrated big men out there. He does everything that you want, right? He does everything, sets great screens, rebounds, block shots, you know, can catch the alley-oop. He's extremely underrated. They they have – it's going to be tough, man, for Milwaukee. I think it's going to be tough. They got players all over the court. Um, but back to the Philly series really quick because we we have to address 
the Ben Simmons situation because I think now it's it's hit the wall. The Ben series, uh, the Ben Simmons. Uh, trust the process. The process is over, in my opinion. And this isn't me being an asshole about it. I think all the stuff that we've heard coming out where it's like, yo, this guy doesn't even work. Like he's surrounded by his family who babies him. Uh, you, you're getting 140 million and you're not taking a shot. I mean, the, we're going to always talk about that wide open dunk he had. Like, was he just scared? He didn't want to go to the free throw line. Is he sensitive? Does he not like to get booed? Like Philly, they're burning his jersey now. And like, I don't think... There's a there's a huge difference between a Ben Simmons and a Joel Embiid. What I saw from Joel Embiid this whole season and this whole playoffs was this guy left it all out on the court. You you can tell he's not 100%, but he was still giving you buckets every single game. And, you know, I, I said on the live stream with Eton, like, yo, this guy's going to collapse on the court. Like, this knee is going to be shot. It's going to be shot. This is what it looks like to me, and I think we've said it on our show, too. Um, he gave it 110%, and I don't think Ben Simmons did that. And I, I think it's not working. We asked our listeners of like, okay, well, what can we get for 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 Ben Simmons? And there were a couple, our boy Timbo, Timbo Latigre, who likes to critique a lot of stuff that we say, but he's very smart. And I think he had a he had a really good trade in uh, Portland. Explain that trade, Drew. Yeah, I, I think it's a really good call uh, if we're looking at trading Ben Simmons, but I, the, the first thing about trading Ben Simmons is you can't do it right now. The very first thing is you have to wait this shit out. Let this die down. Let, let, let the NBA fans get caught up in the finals mm -hmm. and forget a little bit about what happened all those weeks ago with, they Simmons won't let you forget. Court. Look, we're still talking about the bubble George. No, I agree. No, it's not going to be easy to forget, but mm -hmm. at least it won't be the very first topic on sports center and the very first topic that Stephen a tweets about, you know what I'm saying? It'll be down the road then. Okay. Let's look at trading Ben Simmons, but the, the trade that was proposed that I really enjoy actually is McCollum for Simmons in some form or fashion, including other pieces to make it work for both teams. But I think that would be a very reasonable trade for both teams. I think it answers questions for both teams. Um, I think that could be something fun. It's just whether or not Damian Lillard sees that. <laughs> you know, Portland doesn't have a coach, although it looks like it might be Chauncey Billups. We'll see what how that all you know unfolds. But if Portland is in this transition moment where it kind of feels like we are and we know that they don't want to lose Damian, so maybe they go, okay, well, let's get rid of CJ. I do feel like both Philly and Portland are in this moment together, these two teams that have gone like, we know what this is now on both sides. We know mm -hmm. what CJ and Dame is. It's good. When it's good, it's really good. Mm -hmm. And when it's bad, it's like, okay, well, we need a defender. <laughs> and then on, on Philly's side, you go, look, the, the spacing has been the question since day one with, this, with these two guys. And, and I, I think this is the, the overall topic that I think I'm surprised about. And part of the reason that I went a little bit more at Embiid last episode as opposed to talking about Simmons is because this is not new. This is not new news about Ben Simmons not being an offensive player. When's the last time that you and I went on here and went like, you know who's really good offensively and, and who's like really impressing us offensively? Ben Simmons? Never. That, the answer is never. We've never said that. He's been in the league for four or five years now. So this is not surprising to me. And I'm surprised that people are acting as if he should be averaging 20 points a game. He's never done that. He's never going to do that, I don't think, unless he has the ball in his hands the way that we envision like kind of like a Giannis or a LeBron or, you know, those kind of guys where if he can control the ball, control the pace of play, control the space in the paint, maybe he can do something. But I know most people are even so far off of that based on what he showed in this series in these last three games. But it is shocking to me 
that with all of the games under our belt of watching him do this, that we expected anything different. Who, who out here was expecting him to drop 20 a game? I just don't understand. Now, I understand that there is a difference between dropping 20 a game and then dropping like eight or 10 with wide open layups and dunks and him not even be able to, him not being able to do even that. I understand that. And that's obvious. Three games with zero field goals in the fourth quarter. That's yeah. unacceptable. I agree. I, and I'm not, I, I'm, I'm not making excuses here. I'm just saying this is what I expected out of Ben Simmons. And we did, we got, you know, virtually this version of Ben Simmons. He, yes, he was better offensively than he was in these last three games. Even in the beginning of this series, he had an 18 point game and a 17 point game, I think in games one and three or something like that. But the whole season <laughs> and in seasons past, the Sixers were able to get the one seed with this guy performing roughly at this level. Yes, he wasn't nearly as tight <laughs> in plays, and, and I'm, I'm very sure that he can do better. I know that he can do better than that. I'm sure he's, you know, how, how can he go home and, and see that Trey Young was the guy in the paint when he had the wide open dunk and he just threw it to Thibault because he was so terrified of, of the basket in the moment. Like when you see that the guy that you were avoiding under the hoop was Trey fucking Young, the smallest guy on the court by a mile, that's got to do something to you. And I think he already said it. He came out and said that he wasn't there offensively and he's saying all these things, which is fine. Um, I'm not going to speak on the guy's work ethic. I'm not ready to do that hmm. because I haven't seen or heard, you know, one way or the other. I don't know. I think a lot of guys can say that they're working out and they're not. And a lot of guys never say they're working out and they are. So I just, I don't want to necessarily judge that the kid's still young. I still have a lot of hope for him to be a better basketball player than he is and have the confidence in himself that I think is required of any good basketball player. But this was, this was a, a poor showing poorer than I expected, but this is just kind of par for the course for this guy. So I do think it is time for the Sixers to move on. I think everyone sees that. I think everyone acknowledges that. And now this brings us to where we can possibly get Ben Simmons to go. And Portland was the one. Portland for CJ, I think that makes a lot of sense. But there's a lot of other potential suitors out there that would be willing to take on Ben Simmons. I know that for a fact. It's just I don't know how much value Daryl Morey and the Sixers can expect in return now that he had that moment. There's definitely a lot of options. I'm sure a lot of teams would take Ben Simmons, right? But, like, say you want to continue trusting the process. The thing is, is, like, you have to make the fans happy, too. And if the fans are over you, they're over you. And I think they're over Ben. They want to find a scapegoat somewhere, and it's going to be Ben, just like it was for Paul George. Probably should be Doc Rivers. Again, yes, Doc Rivers, one more time. Now, what if you change his position? Like, okay, maybe he's not a point guard. Maybe we can use his 6'10 ass as a power forward and we move Seth Curry as our starting point guard or we see what's going on with uh, with Shake and, and uh, Maxi and the, these guys that they have that are, that are good. Um, but I think the fans are over him. I'm with you, Drew. Like, you are who you are, right? We're not expecting Ben Simmons to come out and drop five for five three-pointers. What I think – Philly being the 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 hard nose you know lunch pail city that that Philly is they expect you to do something and at least try right well, miss miss a shot miss right. a shot they'll be more respectful of you missing it than you not taking the shot I'm going back to a Ty Lue quote when Ty Lue when they were talking about Paul George's shooting woes he's like I'd rather Paul I'd rather Paul be two for nine than two for two in a game shoot your shot right like shoot you're here to shoot <laughs> and Ben Simmons, take it to the rack. And if you're 
If you're scared to get to the free throw line, look, bro, this is the thing. If you're scared to play NBA basketball, you shouldn't be playing NBA basketball. <laughs> right. That's that's just basically what it is. No one can be, no one can have fear out there. It's so obvious when when the guys are scared. I mean, look at Kuzma. Kuzma was shitting his pants perfect. in game six. Perfect. And and I mean, so that's just what that's what it is. If you're scared, they not only go to will church see it, but the court, the players on the court will see it first mm-hmm. and know it. And that got it has to give him confidence. It has to give the opposing team confidence to know that he doesn't even want the fucking ball. Right. The 6'10 behemoth of a man doesn't want the rock. And I think there has to be a long, hard conversation between Maury and Doc and Embiid um, on what on the direction they want to go. There is value in Ben Simmons. Like the other one that I read on our page was like, hey, what about Kemba and the four pick in OKC? You know, six for Ben, pick, yeah. six pick and OKC. There's a, it's, it's going to be a deep draft, and OKC's got a lot of picks. We're waiting for them to get rid of some of their picks to build right. this team that they right. want. OKC is is a, is a, is a, that's that's an example of a place that would make sense. Yes, like or, Orlando, Detroit, Cleveland. It's all of these shit teams that would be like, all right, let's see if we can give Ben Simmons a spin and what happens there. It, it really is. I mean, unfortunately, now it's like. Mm-hmm. That's what you're looking at. Whereas, you know, if if the Harden deal went through, the whole series, I mean, the whole NBA looks a lot different if the Mm -hmm. James Harden for Ben Simmons trade goes through. And who knows? Maybe Ben Simmons does a great job in Houston, and we're not having this conversation. Mm -hmm. But of course, that was the Rockets (laughs) really trying to squeeze out little as little as possible for James Harden. And congratulations to them because they still didn't even get the number one overall pick. They did get Kelly Olynyk though, Drew. We can never <laughs> – we can... There it is. It's Kelly Olynyk for Ben Simmons. That's the trade. That's, what, That's right. what it is. Straight, straight up, straight that up. Houston's ready. Man. Hey, speaking <laughs> – you just touched on Kuzma real quick. What's up with your boy getting caught with the herb yesterday at the airport? Caruso oh, getting AC arrested. Fresh. I'm rocking his shirt today. Hair Jordan got arrested yesterday. First of all, I thought lead, weed was legal. I just don't think you're allowed to be carrying it on planes and whatnot. But I believe in Texas, I don't think it's legal yet. Nothing is legal in Texas except for carrying a gun. You can definitely carry guns and drinking while driving, I think is okay. But if you have sure. a weed, you have a weed grinder on the plane with a little bit of weed in it, you're not allowed to have that. That's completely illegal. Right. And I think I think it's because he was, you know, he's in a state where it's not legal. Like if this happened in California, I don't think I, I honestly don't. I mean, maybe they confiscate it. Maybe. And they just kind of throw it away. And he's like, shit, that was my favorite grinder. And now I have to go to my second favorite grinder. Um, but yeah, this is this is funny. I mean, Caruso's home. It's mm-hmm. the off season. This is not really a story. No, it's just funny. Uh, and, it's Caruso. It, it could have been a story if he was like, oh, shit, those are my six pounds of marijuana that I forgot to take out of my suitcase, not my grinder that has like some resin residue in it. It would have been funnier, too, if like it was the, the jailblazers days where where Stoudemire's trying to go through you know, security with his weed wrapped in tinfoil. Doesn't work like that, Damon. Doesn't work like that. Tinfoil is the wrong, that's the wrong substance to use, man. Tinfoil. It's going to, it's going to stand out a little bit on a metal detector. What was your take on the, um, on the draft lottery? I thought it was great. I think the team, the teams that needed these picks are going to get them. Well, it's crazy to me that Detroit hasn't had a, a number one overall pick in like 50 years. It's Bob like, Lanier. Was it Bob Lanier, they said? Yeah, Bob Lanier. 1970 mm-hmm. is the last wow. number one overall pick. How screwed up have they felt? Like, think about that fan base. When when the Cavs and the Lakers keep trading like second and one and, you know, we just keep bouncing around. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, Detroit, I think that I think that's a success. You call, I guess you call that season a success, right? Mm-hmm. You, you let Jeremy Grant shoot every time down the court. You got off of Blake Griffin's expensive contract. 
Uh, and you got the number one overall pick. And so that's huge for them. Uh, the Rockets, of course, great. Congratulations for a second pick. I think the most interesting thing about the, the, the draft lottery was the, the Timberwolves pick, right? That's what everyone was kind of mm-hmm. waiting to see. Like, would they crack the top three or would it go to the Warriors? And the Warriors get, you know, I would say about as middle of the road, maybe as they seven could and 14, expect. Right? Seven and 14? Yeah, seven and 14. There's a chance that it could have been like a lot better than that, mm-hmm. right? Like they could have had... Uh, you know, really, really high picks, kind of like the Magic. The Magic ended up, I think, fifth and eighth mm-hmm. uh, in the draft. So I do think this is going to be a fun draft. I think we have some good players here. This will be the first draft for the the G League Ignite option guys. Um, so we'll see how NBA uh, talent scouts and evaluators, you know, rank those guys in comparison to college guys. I think that that'll be interesting. I think we have some cool um, overseas guys. I know there's like an Australian cat. There's a couple kind of lanky standard lanky European guys that should be pretty good in this draft. But yeah, man, I think, you know, the, the, the lottery's cool, right? Because then, then it helps us with projections. It's like, okay, now we know the, the order of things. So now we can actually start building projections for where we expect players to get drafted. And I think Cade Cunningham is going to go number one to Detroit unless they, unless they realize something completely different and they want to go a different route. Well, they also said that they'd be open to trading it. They're going to be open to that. And in my personal opinion, you don't trade it. With Cade, you take Cade. They got a nice little young – I mean, it's going to take time for them. Time, time. And, you know, Jeremy Grant and Sadiq Bey and uh, Stewart and Killian Hayes and, like, that – and if you can get Cade, like, that's a nice, nice young group, nice core. Kind of reminds you a little bit, like, of of the Pelicans, I guess, if you want to say that. But – um, Cade would be the guy to get in my opinion. And I think a lot of other people's opinions, I'm not saying anything that's shocking to them, but, um, first five, five, six picks are going to be interesting, man. Let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. If you were Detroit, mm-hmm. would you give up the number one overall pick for Ben Simmons? No, God, no, no, you wouldn't. No, just like, just like you said, just like you said, like, what do you need? That's another forward. That's, an, that's another guy. Like he can't be your starting point guard. In this scenario, you would just have him play point guard with Killian Hayes. You would just have him. You would have his traditional point guard kind of role and let Jeremy Grant be the you know the scorer on the wing. Yeah, that I, that doesn't that doesn't intrigue me at all. I would consider that. I would I I would I would like I'm Detroit. No, you and if consider, I'm if I'm the Sixers as well, I would need more than just Ben Simmons for the number one pick. You'd have wow. to yeah, listen to that. That's yeah, okay. crazy. Yeah, yeah, I would need more. I, I would, see. I don't know. I think I, I might. I I might go ahead and go. That's cool. I like. I think that's. I, I'm I, clearly. I'm still relatively high on on the Ben Simmons ceiling, which it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. I just have this feeling in my in my in my soul that he deserves to have the ball okay. before we can really before without Embiid before we can really determine whether or not he's like actually a bust. You know what I'm saying? Like, let him let him have the ball and run up and down the court. And that's where I think, you know, if you're Detroit or, if, yeah, I mean, Houston. <laughs> Houston goes, we're not going to give you Harden. How about the number two pick and uh, and Kelly Olenek? <laughs> that I would consider. That I, just I, would... Think, I do think – I think Simmons might be, you know, available for trade for some of these draft picks. That's that's part of the reason I brought it up. Okay, but but I think Detroit could be a good spot for him. No, nah, but it's a shooter's league right now, man. You, can't, you need shooters on your team. Uh, Detroit definitely needs some shooters on their team. And if you can get the Cade or the, the Suggs or whatever you want, however you want to go, I want to know how the combine works for these guys. It might not be the, 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 you know, Cade going number one, it could be Cade going number three. Like we've seen this with Anthony Edwards last year. I just think if Detroit needs any, anything, it's, it's a guy that's pro ready 
and likes to shoot the shoot the ball. And when you're getting, yeah, and I think with with Cade, it's interesting because I do think he is a little bit more playmaker than he is just straight up scorer, which is fine because I I, I think you know we know Jeremy Grant's going to shoot 25 times a game now, so you know Cade can shoot 12 and uh, and they'll be fine. But I, I I think Cade works best from from what I've seen. Um, I do think Jalen Suggs could be fine. I think Mobley could be an option for them, but I do think they're pretty stacked on the center. Don't need no more bigs, Drew. Forward. Stop with the bigs. Stop with uh, the bigs. But I'm just saying, like, it, you know, it is interesting how people will evaluate these guys. And we all we all have our predictions. But, you know, time and time again, we, we can be surprised by the evaluations that one team has of a guy that we don't expect. It happens every year. There's usually one person that goes way higher or way lower than we expected based on the evaluations and the medicals and stuff. So that's the fun part about the draft lottery. I, you know, outside of that, I, there wasn't anything big other than I, I thought the Warriors had a really good shot of getting two really high picks and then they didn't, they didn't end up getting it. I hit our boy, Jeff Crompton up. I'm like, yo bro, this can, this is franchise changing right now. This could be potentially franchise changing for you, depending on one pick by Minnesota, by Minnesota, you know, like if they did if that just drop, it was, it had to drop, right? Is that how it yeah, went? It had to, it, it, like four. Right. As soon as it got to four, it could be could have been the Warriors. Mm-hmm. But if it was one, two, or three, it would have stayed T Wolves. Mm-hmm. One thing, the last thing I'll say though is, Oklahoma City has a shit ton of picks. We know this. If if Detroit is willing to trade the number one pick, I would be shocked if Oklahoma didn't try to trade up to the number one so they can take. Where are they? Oklahoma State, Cade Cunningham. That's. Where- that one makes the most sense. OKC is sixth right now. Uh, that's how they ended up. But they have so many picks mm-hmm. that you go, here's six and, you know, whatever, however many, two, three more, whatever you want, or a player, if they want a player, uh, you know, do it that way. I, 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 that's just my own weird person, personal thing, as I would love to see Cade and, and Shai, Shea Gildas-Alexander on the same team together. And we already know the guy likes Oklahoma a little bit. You assume unless he had a terrible time at Oklahoma State, which it didn't seem like he did. If he's already kind of feeling the state, try and nab him and, and keep him there because it's not likely you're going to have another Oklahoma person outside of you know Trey or Cade come through in the next few years. I don't know. You can get you can get a uh, big Blake Griffin. Blake's hot right now. Get Blake on OKC. Let him he's finish. Be a free agent. <laughs> okay, he's hot right now. He's a hot commodity. Hey, final thoughts. Wait, wait, wait. We didn't we didn't touch on the Bucks and the Nets. Who cares? <laughs> Kevin, old- Durant, Kevin Durant almost won that game. He almost and, and they lose it by whatever his big ass foot is. One, one shoe size too big. They lose it. I I feel terrible about that. I the only thing that I really wanted to harp on for that series is that Steve Nash made a huge mistake in not calling the timeout in overtime. I understand the theory. And I think in regulation, fine. Don't call the timeout. Let Kevin Durant do his thing. Those boys were exhausted on the court. Get them a fucking timeout. Let Kevin sit down, drink some water, breathe, run a play. Instead of what ended up happening where he got to the essentially kind of like the same turnaround thing. He thought it was cash and it was a foot short because he had nothing left in the tank. I do want to shout out the Nets and Kevin Durant for that performance. Uh, mostly just Kevin Durant because Harden was bad um, and everyone else was pretty bad as well. <laughs> but uh, Blake Kevin- played his ass off in that game, final game though. Blake played his ass off. Blake, you know, Blake was good too. You're right. Yes, he was. Blake was that- good. Uh, but Joe Harris, 
he hit mm. three, but he couldn't hit more than three and was wide open towards the end. Him and Ben Simmons had the same field goal percentage, bro, to put things in perspective. Creating your own shot is not Joe Harris's bag. Waiting in the corner and getting the open looks is in your bag. Really quick, back to what you said about the no timeout. Like, at least Steve Nash, pull like the old school Jason Kidd. Spill some water on me. On the Spill court. some water on the court. They had a timeout. They had a timeout. It's not like they didn't have one. That's the thing. You got it. I, they're, they were huffing and puffing. Yeah, I swear to God, that's a rookie coaching mistake. I guarantee he won't make that mistake later on in his career if he continues down this path. Mm-hmm. I thought Steve Nash did a good job coaching. I was surprised that he rolled with Bruce Brown the whole, pretty much the whole fucking game and didn't have more Jeff Green in there. I mean, I get it. Jeff Green didn't end up even taking a shot, I don't believe, in game seven, mm-hmm. which is crazy. Um, but he didn't play that often. And so Nash went with his guys. He goes, this is it. We're gonna, <laughs> this is the group that we're going to go with. And they almost did it, man. They really almost did it. Despite Milwaukee constantly trying to give that series away, Milwaukee got over the hump. And it just, to me, the Sixers and the Nets should have been the fucking matchup. If health is a little differently, I still think that's those are the best two teams. Uh, and we probably get a better Eastern Conference Finals for it. I but like this. I like I'm this. I'm okay with this too because this this means that we don't have a, a banged up and beat and a shit Simmons versus Kevin Durant. That, so I'm okay with this because the way that it worked out, I think this series between the Bucks and the and the Hawks is going to be fantastic. I think it's going to be up and down, very intense. I think the Hawks have much more confidence than any of us could possibly imagine. I think they're gonna go into that smelling the blood in the water. If Drew Holiday is not up to snuff. If he's not going to score 20 points ever in this series, the Bucs will lose this series. He has to step up offensively. I don't understand what's happening with him. Uh, But look, man, I'm going to take the Hawks in this series. I like it. I doubted them. I I think I had them over the Knicks. I felt good about them over the Knicks. I doubted them against the Sixers. But the way they pulled through without Trey really coming through for them and the team stepped up and delivered – I think they have what it takes to beat the Bucs. And I just don't – I don't like the Bucs. I don't like the Bucs. I don't like the Bucs. I don't like the way they play. You don't like Giannis, bro. You like Giannis. I like Giannis. I like Drew. I, I kind of – I even – like, when I was younger, I knew Drew a little bit. <laughs> and his brothers, I like him a lot. Uh, and I like I like Middleton. I just – I don't like the way they play. I hate and I it. think – It's disgusting. I would much rather see Hawks in the finals against whoever hey, than, than, than watching the Bucs do it. We had a – on the live stream the other night, we had Francisco Elson on with us too, who played nice. for the Bucks and played for Bood uh, under when he was with San Antonio with Pop. Um, and I was I was ripping the Bucks offense because you know how much I'm I'm disgusted. I hate their offense as much as I hate cyclists, and you know how much I hate cyclists. All right, they're, yep. they're I really do. I, I I'm sorry if you're a cyclist listening to our show. There are rules and laws. You have to stop stop at a red light. Okay. Um, I hate their offense and he's going up against a really good coach in Nate McMillan. So he better be prepared. They better be well-prepared with a game plan, not a, not a three point shooting barrage of Giannis and, you know, dribble to the dribble to the hoop, back it up. Let's let's freight train it one more time. It's not going to work against these guys like that. So yeah, I, I want Drew to have a much better series. We expect a lot more out of Tim Middleton's been good. Yeah, he's uh, been good. He's been good. Nothing. I mean, he had that one big game. One, yeah, one, one really good game, mm-hmm. and then, and then the rest of it's been good. It's been fine. Hey, but you know what? Just like the Clippers, way to make it to the finals, Bucks. Way to freaking do it. You know, yeah. way to get there. You got there. 
Like that's the other reason why I'm not as upset. Like I did make it to the mountaintop and I just got to get back down. And I just, you know, it'll be the mountaintop. You have not reached the mountaintop. The mountaintop is, is mountain the finals. Top, bro. No, the this mountaintop is, is the finals. No, bro. This is my mountaintop. Let me live my life, Drew. Hey, do you have final thoughts? <laughs> yeah, I got final thoughts. Um, <laughs> this is my mountaintop, bro. Don't fucking kill my vibe. <laughs> okay, my final thoughts. Let's just scrap the 10 seconds at the free throw line. What does it do? We review shit for, for 35 minutes. What does 10 seconds at the free throw line do? Or enforce the fucking thing and have a little clock. Give, give the guys a clock so that they know it's coming. And if you, if, you, if you hold it longer than 10 seconds, the free throw's done. We can't do the thing where every, every time Giannis is touching the ball, it's 10-second countdowns in the crowd. I think it's hilarious. I actually really enjoy it. But like, either enforce the rule every time or scrap the goddamn rule or give them 15 seconds or give them eight seconds. But whatever it is that we decide, just pick one. Let's pick one and let's do it. Right. Because I don't, I don't feel, I feel relatively bad for Giannis who's taken 14 seconds, every single free throw shot of this entire season. And then now all of a sudden they're like, actually, Giannis, we got to speed it up a little bit here. I know that you are, you're terrible at free throws and this is kind of a tough thing for you, but we're actually not going to let you shoot it 14 seconds anymore. So I, I understand, like, it's definitely on Giannis to get it done within the 10 seconds. But there's also that ridiculous gray area that continues to happen. It happens a lot with random calls throughout the season. And you get to the postseason and they're being called or they're not being called. But this one in particular doesn't seem to match the game anymore. Let's just get rid of the fucking thing. If it takes him 15 seconds, so be it. We're going to review the last two minutes for 45 minutes anyway. What's an extra five seconds? The funny thing about that is when when Giannis is taking that 15 seconds and and then it's James Harden at the you know on the, under the basket complaining like throwing his arms like this is illegal and he does all the most illegal shit ever like he's he's made a career off doing illegal stuff which they're about to crack down on uh which is awesome like you know the 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 personal the offensive fouls of jumping into people and you know the swipes and all that I'm with you though Drew and if anything like the players should want more time at the line. It gives you more time to rest, right? The refs take a might, breath, right? Take a breath. The refs might want it, but I'm so with Start you. matching up. You can match up a little bit. Like, what are we doing? What are, what's yeah. happening here? I just, I just don't see the benefit to having a rule that is never enforced. Except for <laughs> other one than, player now. Other than, yeah. Other than one guy. <laughs> it, it, to Giannis, you know, for Giannis right now, like, Maybe taking 14 seconds is a little too long. For That's you. probably not helping. It's You're probably airballing not helping. free throws. Okay, you did it twice in the other night. He shot better. It's funny. He That's game seven. When they were counting down, he was like six for six at one point during the stretch. He didn't He didn't go six for six, but he had. He was like making the most free throws while the entire stadium was counting down. I think it was helping him. I, I, if I'm Giannis, as soon as I get that rock, one dribble, I'm putting that bitch up. Like, Let's I'm get, not let even- me, get me out of here. Get me out of here. Get me out of this line. <laughs> Hey, my final thoughts is is basically staying uh, par for the course, as you say. Is that is that what we say? That's a that's a good that, golf analogy. A little I, a little term there. Par I think for the you course. brought it. I thought I think you brought it up earlier. I'm staying on the Clipper train right now. Um, what a surprise! I, I know, but normally I, I like how you go outside the box. I just don't have anything to go outside the box today. <laughs> You're focused. You're focused. I'm, I'm focused, man. And look, uh, and I know I kind of referred to it earlier. Being down 0-2 is not a positive thing. Clipper Nation. This isn't, it's not a positive thing. I know this happened round one and round two, and we are perfectly capable of coming back 
and tying this series up. I, I want to leave LA with a 2-2 series. And it's going to take everything in our power to win these next two games if Kawhi Leonard is not playing. And even if Kawhi Leonard is playing, it's going to take absolutely everything. I know we are exhausted. Uh, I know, just like I said, we feel like we made it to the mountaintop in our small little clipper, clipper world. It is. We, you know, we just had the highest of highs four days ago, right? And we're having, we're getting pretty low being down 0-2. But this is not a positive thing. This is not a good situation to be in. Um, it's going to take everything for us to win this series. So I just want the Clippers. And I know, look, dude, these these guys are all professionals. They all want to win. They're going to bring it every single night. I'm not worried about one player on the team. Like you said earlier, game three is where all the adjustments comes. We've seen them. We've seen them twice. We haven't seen them at full capability. But if anybody knows point guards and Chris Paul, it's Ty Lue. Like we're going to figure this out. Um, and we're going to give, we got to give it, give it our all tomorrow night. And we got, we have to leave Los Angeles um, 2-2. Cannot leave 3-1. I agree. I mean, I, and it goes back to, to how we started the show. Um, if Kawhi can play, he needs to be on the floor. And to be honest, if he's not, I mean, I still feel the same way. I think you do as well. It doesn't matter who's on the floor. You guys can't lose this game. Mm-hmm. Game three cannot be a loss. <laughs> so uh, it's pretty straightforward there. Um, if you want to, if you want to actually have a chance to make the finals game three is right now, the most important possible game that you can have. Uh, we can talk about game four and the possibilities of coming down three, one, all that stuff, but it doesn't matter because if you lose game three and you go down Oh three, it's a wrap. And that's just the facts, but just how that's how the series have unfolded for the history of game seven series. So, yeah, I do. I do think you have it in, 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 I think you have it in you. Uh, and I agree. I think there's definitely a, a world where that exists, where it's O2 for the Suns, and they're and they're mm. trying to dogfight their way out of a potential sweep. Uh, but that's not how it unfolded. I think you'll have everything that you need at your disposal, with or without Kawhi, to make it happen. I still believe that you can win the game without Kawhi on the court. So I do want that to be important as well. Is managing that for the Clippers, managing those expectations like, oh, good, we'll have Kawhi. And then if he's not there, don't have that deflated moment where you go, fuck, we probably can't do it without Kawhi. That can't happen either. You have to be dogs. You have to come out the way that Phoenix did without Chris Paul. And I think you've matched their level of intensity. I just think you just got to you have to tighten the screws a little bit throughout the game. It, 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 like the, 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 the little careless turnovers, the little rebound, the offensive rebounds that you really should grab, but you end up tipping it, that type of shit. It, all of it has to go the Clippers way, especially if Kawhi's not on the floor. I agree. And if there's one thing the Clippers are and have shown is resiliency, and we have been an extremely resilient team. If history does repeat itself, then we will win game three. Um, I just pray that we're going to see Kawhi Leonard. And I think we will. I think we will see Kawhi Leonard uh, in game three. And I, I think it'll be announced prior to the game. Like, I think the so Clippers, like he'll be like game time decision. Yeah. And then leading up 15 minutes Green light the way that the way that the Nets did with Harden in game five. Yes, Uh, I I think that it's been hush hush for a reason. And I think that that's going to be one of these situations where it's going to be, you know, the games at six, five, 15, Kawhi Leonard's ready to go for game. And I I think I can guarantee you, I think Ty Lue uh, knows if Kawhi's already playing in in the game or not. Yeah, you would hope so. You would hope so. Yeah, real quick. Yeah, real quick call. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you have more? No, go. Uh, call who's who's taking game one in the next uh, hour or two between the Bucks and the Hawks. Uh, they're in, in they're in Milwaukee. 
Hawks, baby. I'm Team Trey right now. I've been. I told you he's been growing on me, man. I'm Team Trey. I love. The, I just love the villain thing, and he's really accepting it. And I think the fact that I don't like him so much it makes me like him more. You know what I mean? Like, for it's so weird me saying that. You know, but I think it has a lot to say with like, yo, Luca's not in the finals. There's a lot of Luca like. Last year, we were talking about how that was the worst trade ever, you know, is Luca for Trey Young. And now it's like, look, homie, I'm here. Yeah. I'm in the finals. Yeah, I'd love to see how the how the Dallas uh, Mavericks would have done in the Eastern Conference. You know, I think the Mavericks could have shaken some some shit up in the okay, Eastern Conference. That's fair. Uh, but yeah, so it's not fair because neither neither of those guys are playing in the same conference to right. really compare because the West is significantly stronger than the Eastern Conference, I think. But anyway... <laughs> In a crazy NBA world, a Dallas Atlanta finals could happen at some point. Oh, and we'll see. I'm sure. Happen. I mean, there's definitely going to be all the chance in the world in the next 12 years that we're going to get Luca versus Trey in the finals. Yeah. Hey, um, I'm going on vacation. So, who's ever listening to that? It's a little vacation surprising my parents. It's their 50th wedding anniversary. Got my sister flying in. They have no idea. My parents quite possibly might have a heart attack seeing her. Right. So, that I'm going to, I'm going to ease them in. I'm not like going to like a soft reveal. Yeah, it's not going to be a, like, you can't do a hard reveal. You have to no, do it's not going to be like, Oh, here's Nicole popping out of the closet. Yes. Scaring the shit out of my mom. It's not happening. So yeah, give them a hundred yards. Give them, give them like a nice distance for it to, to slowly sink in as she my, comes closer. That'll be like, is that Nicole? Is that her? <laughs> um, but yeah, so we're going to, we're going to have some fun this weekend. Uh, we're taking, that's the- awesome, man. Congrats to your, uh, to your folks, dude. 50 years is no joke. 50 years. I struggle being around certain people for 50 minutes. I can't imagine being with somebody for 50 years. It's a beautiful thing. Shout out to mama and papa clips. So if you're a fan, obviously, if you're listening to the show, you follow our page. It might be a little slow the next couple of days. Of course, if the Clippers do end up winning game three, I'm sure you might hear something from me. Might. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> they still have internet. They have the internet where you're going. So they do. there's, a, there's, there's a chance. There's Wi-Fi in St. Louis Obispo. I'm pretty sure they got it. They got it. Maybe you might have to do a landline line connection but they got they got internet hey we'll be back as soon as i get home from vacation and we'll have a lot to talk about after his game after game three and four uh so follow through with clips and drew and we're ghost pat patterson you know what it is you know where you're at this is the fall.